Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. My name is Brandon Keller. I am the student director here at Stockbridge Community Church. And Pastor Jeff gives me, this, gives me this opportunity about once a year to come and speak with you. So I'm super excited for this opportunity to come and talk to you today. So a little quick background about who I am. And so uh, my family and I came to this church 16 years ago. My wife, Tawny, is now the executive pastor here. Uh, both my daughters, Stacia and Carly, have grown up in this church. And so a lot of you have helped raise them, honestly, because uh, uh, you were our family. We moved here from California and didn't have anybody else but, but our church. And so uh, we are excited to, to be 16 years into this and, and continue to move strong. And it's a lot of fun. And so um, today I'm going to be talking about the ninth and 10th commandments and as we finish up our, our Big Ten series and continue to work on that. So if everybody will rise one more time for me as we read the Ten Commandments together, I would appreciate it. They will be up on the screen. If you want to read along with me, here we go. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, wife, or possessions. Thank you. You may be seated. So over the last 13 years here at the church, I've had the opportunity to spend with the teenagers serving in our student ministry. And I started out just as a volunteer, just kind of hanging out. I actually started out uh, running the games on stage, and we used to do some terrible, terrible games uh, when Fear Factor was really popular and made kids uh, eat sorts, all sorts of crazy things, stick their hands in buckets filled with cockroaches, all sorts of great stuff that I really enjoyed getting to do. Um, and so, but then I moved into speaking and, and I've been doing that. And then I've, I've taken some uh, stints as a kind of leading the, the student groups, which I'm doing now. And so uh, if I come speaking to you today, like maybe I'm talking to a 15, 16 year old, it's because that's who I'm used to my audience being. So I'm not trying to talk, you know, at a level below you, but just know that that's who I'm used to speaking with. So I may use some slang that uh, only a 15 or 16 year old. So if you don't know the slang, maybe look it up later and uh, they'll figure it out. And usually I'll use it wrong, which is fantastic. My kids will always correct me later. It's like, that's not what that means at all. So um, just be aware of that. So one of the things that I always, when people ask me, you know, why do you serve with our students? And I always say my whole intention in serving with students is to help them avoid that one big mistake. As a teenager and as a young adult, you can make one big mistake that can kind of throw you off the trajectory that God has this path for you, but this one big mistake can kind of throw you off that trajectory. And, and I'm just trying to 
help the students not make that one big mistake. Because I know God has this awesome plan for them, and I know being a teenager is hard, and, and there's all these influences and peer pressure and all these things happening, and now with social media, it's a whole nother level. And so I'm always trying to help them kind of stay the path to avoid that one big mistake. And so I'm always talking to them about one important thing that I like to remind them of, and I thought I'd talk with you guys about it today, because I think as adults, a lot of times we need that reminder too. And it's these two words, integrity matters. Integrity matters. doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, integrity matters. And the definition of integrity, in case you're not sure, is integrity is the quality of being honest and having good moral character. Now, there's a book that I love called The Millionaire Mind, and it's written by a guy named Tom Stanley. And what he did is he went out and studied millionaires, but not just normal, any, any millionaire. He went out and studied first-generation, self-made, DECA millionaires. So these are people that started with nothing and have figured out how to make more than $10 million in net worth throughout their life. They weren't given an inheritance, they didn't sign a sports contract, anything like that. They went out and figured out a way, scrapping, starting a business, whatever it is. And he went out and he studied all these DECA millionaires that are first generation rich. And he wanted to see what the correlation in their personalities were between them all. And as he correlated all their personality traits, the one thing that poked up above everything else was they all had incredible integrity. When you talked to other people about them, they all said, yes, they have super high integrity. So integrity matters. It matters so much. And the one thing I like to tell our teenagers is that the great thing about integrity is you are 100% in control of your integrity. Nobody else can ruin your integrity. It's up to you to ruin your own integrity. That You're the only person that can ruin your integrity. So you must protect your integrity with everything you have because you are the only person that's in control of your integrity. And so today we're going to start with the ninth commandment. And that is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, while this commandment talks about not bearing false witness against your neighbor, while we talk about not talking, you know, lies about your neighbor, I also want to talk a little bit about how we don't lie to ourselves or lie to people directly as well, because this whole commandment's really about honesty and integrity, like we talked about, because integrity matters. And so, what is truth? Truth is, the dictionary says, is a verified or undisputable fact. But what's the opposite of truth? A lie, right? Lies. Lies is the opposite of truth. Now, when I think of lying... I think of like big elaborate stories that are lies. So uh, I may show my age to some of you younger folks here, but back when I was younger, uh, Saturday Night Live used to have this skit by John Lovitz uh, where he was in Liars Anonymous, and he would tell these huge elaborate lies all the time, and it was always just like, you know, yeah, I was, I was on a plane on the way to Paris, yeah, yeah, that's it, and my wife, Morgan Fairchild, was with me, and uh, I was going to get the Nobel Peace Prize, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's the ticket, that's what happened, right? And so when I think of lying, I think of like these huge elaborate stories like John Lovitz used to tell in those skits, but that's not 
always what lying is, right? Lying can be a lot more than that. And deep down, we all know that lying is bad, right? Like from grade school, we've always said, liar, liar, pants on fire, right? And obviously having your pants on fire is not a good thing, so it must be bad, right? But the thing with lying is, is that we've all done it. Now, if you're sitting here saying that I've never lied, you're lying to yourself right now. Um, So we've all done our fair share. In fact, I've lied for sure, not just about my golf score or how big the fish was that I caught, right? I've lied about other things as well. But this is the thing I've learned is that lying is stressful. Because it's very easy to start a little lie, but it's really difficult to continue that lie over time, right? And, and you can't keep track of who you've told what lie to. And so it becomes very stressful because here's the crazy thing is that your brain doesn't register a lie like it does the truth. Your brain doesn't remember a lie like it does the truth. It's almost like God designed us not to lie. And the fact that you can only remember truth, so you can't remember lies. And so, but lies happen, right? It reminds me of the story of this mom that's getting ready to go on a cross-country airline trip with her seven-year-old son, and she gets ready to book the tickets, and she realizes that if her son was only five, her, his ticket would be half price. She's like, well, my son's pretty small, so she's like, I'm going to book that, that five-year-old ticket. And so she books the five-year-old ticket, and about a week before uh, the flight, she starts coaching her son. Now, if anybody asks, you're only five. I think, I feel like some of you have done this before just by (laughs) how quiet it got in the room. Um, So it's like, starts coaching her son on, you know, if anybody asks, you are only five, you know. And so the day comes, they get to the airport, they get to the ticket agent to check in their bags. And the ticket agent asks the little boy, so how old are you? And he goes, I'm five. And she looks at him and she says, do you know what happens to little boys that lie about their age? He said, yes, they get to fly for half price. (laughs) Kids can be brutally honest. You got to watch out for that sometimes. You got to make sure you're explaining to your kids exactly what's happening, right? And so here's the problem with, with the difference between lying and telling the truth, though, is that a lot of times... We get mixed up in what we want to believe is the truth is actually the truth. And they are different. In fact, there's a phrase that started to get used again that was, became popular in the 50s and it's being used now again, which is speak truth to power. And it was all about was stand up for what you believe in, which I totally get behind stand up for what you believe in. But using the word truth as something you believe in isn't always a good correlation because just because you believe something doesn't make it true, right? We have to be so careful of that. And so what happens is that what happens if you be- what you believe is wrong, but you're trying to turn your own personal agenda into the truth. And so nobody will probably admit it, but I do like a good conspiracy theory. If you like one, maybe just hang your head in shame like me. But I love a good conspiracy theory, but this is what I've learned about conspiracy theories is that if I start to follow a bunch of conspiracy theory people on social media and listen to conspiracy theory podcasts, I start to believe that what everybody is saying is true. 
because I'm essentially living in an echo chamber of my own beliefs. So therefore, everybody's saying what I think, therefore it must be true. But what happens is that just because you're hearing one thing from multiple sources doesn't make it true. It's just what you've surrounded yourself with to hear. And so we have to be so careful about what is actually true and what is not true. And so we can't all have our own personal truths. I hear that term a lot also is, that is my truth. Well, it can be your truth, but it's not the truth, right? And so there is one truth. It is God and it is his word, right? That is the truth, right? Um, and Jesus says this in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He is the truth. So we all know that God and God's word is the truth. And while I believe most people want to live a life of truth and not lies and, and deception and, and dishonesty and all of that, sometimes we get caught in, in these situations where we will avoid the truth. So today I want to give you three different ways that we might avoid the truth so that when maybe you do one of these, you'll realize what you've done and, and kind of help course correct a little bit. And so the first way that we avoid truth is to fill in on your outline is rationalization. It's a big word. I'll let you guys take a second to write that one down. Rationalization. And this is where we think we're not as bad as others. This is how we rationalize things is we compare ourselves to worse sinners, essentially. We tell ourselves we're not as bad as other people. Psychologists say that rationalization is a defense mechanism to explain our controversial behavior. That is what rationalization is. And we've all done it, right? It's, it's I took $20 out of the till at work. It's not like I robbed a bank. If you ever say it's not like, chances are you're rationalizing your behavior. If you say it's not like I, you are rationalizing whatever it is you just did, right? And so trying to convince yourself that your dishonest words or actions aren't as bad as somebody else is the wrong comparison. You should be comparing your words and actions to what Jesus says is true in his actions, not what other sinners are doing, because you're comparing yourself against other people that are flawed as well. You should be comparing your actions to what Jesus did. And he, Jesus was strong about not comparing yourselves with others. In fact, in Matthew 7, 5, he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, right? Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Sin is sin and lying is lying. It doesn't matter how you rationalize it. Stop trying to rationalize your behavior by comparing yourself to someone else. The second way we avoid truth is justification. Justification. This is where we believe we are an exemption to the rule. We justify our behavior with some silly rule that we make up on our own of why it's okay we did something. I was 10 minutes late to work today, but I'm just gonna sign in for the regular time because uh, it doesn't really matter. And you know, I, I give enough time to this place anyway, 10 minutes doesn't really matter. 
you've just justified your behavior of being dishonest because of some other rule you've kind of made up. And sometimes we'll justify a lie saying, oh, the positive outweighs the negative, right? I'm doing what's best for them. Husbands, have you ever been asked the question, does this outfit make me look fat? <laughs> exactly. So, and maybe it's a short-term lie, you know, I'll, I'll tell them the truth later, but they just couldn't handle it right now. And so we're, we're able to justify our own lies and, and just our own behavior and, and just making up our own silly reason why it's okay we did what we did. And here's the thing, by justifying yourself, you're essentially calling yourself righteous. Only God can declare you righteous. You cannot declare yourself righteous. And by justifying yourself, that's what you're trying to do. And so you just need to be so careful about justifying your dishonesty. The third way we avoid the truth is projection. It wasn't my fault. It's just how I was raised. It's what so-and-so told me to do, right? It's just, that, that's just how it, how it happened. We blame our dishonesty on our situation or people around us, and we're just projecting that on other people. And there's a great example of this in the Bible that I want to share with you. It's, it, it's, it's the beginning of the Bible. It's great. So God creates Adam, and then he creates Eve, and he puts him in the Garden of Eden. And then he tells them, you can eat from any tree in the garden, just not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Check, check, got it. So then Eve is deceived by the serpent and convinces her, it's okay to eat from the tree. God didn't say surely you will die, right? And so Eve eats the fruit. And then she convinces Adam to eat the fruit. Well, she's naked, so he does whatever she says. So <laughs> Eve eats the fruit as well. And then, so now they've committed the first sin. Shortly after that, God comes walking through the garden to speak with them. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 3.11 on the screen. It says, God said... Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And this is Adam immediately projecting. He says, the man said, the woman you put with me, God, it's your fault, you put her here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So the very first sin, the first thing Adam does is try to blame God. You, you did this. You put her here with me. And then she was naked, so I did what she said, right? Adam is projecting his dishonesty on God and on Eve immediately. And so we avoid the truth a lot of times by using rationalization, justification, projection, and so we just have to be so careful and identify when we're being dishonest. Are we doing one of these things and why are we doing it? Because it will help you protect your integrity because integrity matters. So I have a next step for you either on your app or on your paper connection card if you're here in the building. And that is I will identify why I am avoiding the truth. So next time maybe you catch yourself a little outside the truth, try to identify which one of these 
things you're using to avoid the truth. So next up is the 10th commandment. And these kind of go together, and I'll explain why in a minute. And the 10th commandment says, you shall not covet. We read it together. You shall not covet. Now, because I'm a simple man, I read the Good News translation, and it says, do not desire another man's house, do not desire his wife, or anything that he owns. So, shall not covet means do not desire what other people have. Got it. I'm not sure why they, you had to use covet. That seems like a churchy word. But I'm going with desire. That seems to fit what we all believe usually anyway. And here's the problem with this is that I have spent so much time desiring what other people have that I've missed out on the joy of what I currently have. And like Pastor Chris talked about last week is that if you preach from your weakness, you run, never run out of material. This is mine. Because I am always you know, desiring and coveting what other people have, and I have to be so careful that it doesn't create problems with where I'm at right now. And this is your last fill-in on your outline, is contentment creates joy. Contentment creates joy. And this is something I've had to learn. As I've matured, I've learned to appreciate what I have right now in front of me and where I'm at in life rather than what's coming or what I'm missing out on. And it's taken some time. I, I've had to grow older and mature in order to learn this contentment. And so because of that, though, I'm a happier person now that I'm more content with what I have. Hebrews 13.5 says this. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And coveting doesn't just mean you want other people's physical things like their house or their wife or their, their, their TV or their car or whatever. It also has to do with experiences. I don't know if I'm the only one that's had that pity party when I'm scrolling on social media and I see my friends are gone to Hawaii and I'm at work again and they're at Hawaii. Or my friends that are on their third trip to Disney World already this year and I'm still at work, right? And, and you start to desire or covet other people's experiences and their vacations and their, their family and all those other things. We have to be so careful of that because here's the thing. When we learn to be content, we can be happy in, in the, the, the full times and the lean times because life is, you know, goes through those cycles where you'll be full and then you'll be lean and then you'll be full and then you'll be lean. And as you learn to be content, you can kind of balance that out a little bit. And it reminds me of um, my friends here in the church that Pastor Jeff talked about a couple weeks ago, Jim and Crystal Stillwell, who are sitting down here. Um, a few weeks ago, they had a terrible week. They, they had a terrible week. Uh, they, they had to go to the hospital and, and take care of some family matters there. And then their house burned to the ground and they left with only the clothes on their back. Literally, the only thing they had were the clothes on their back. That's it. And then Jim's mother passed away the same week. They had a pretty bad week. But Jim and Crystal came to church that following Sunday, two or three days later, and when I met them in the foyer, they were as happy and cheerful as I've ever seen them. 
Now, I don't know if I could be in that same boat if I had just lost literally everything but the clothes on my back. But they have learned to be content during the full times and the lean times. And I have learned so much by watching them over the last couple weeks and how they deal with, with things happening in their life and the, the contentment that they have with knowing that they have a church family that supports them and loves them and that God will provide no matter what when they will come back out of this lean time and things will continue to move forward. And so because of that, it's just so important to not get caught up on what you have or don't have, right? And I want to be clear that being content doesn't mean being lazy or having a lack of drive or not having goals. God has huge plans for your life, and it doesn't just include laying on the couch binging Netflix. He has huge plans for your life, and so being content doesn't just mean, oh, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm just going to lay here. This is it. No, God wants you to thrive and do great things, and so it doesn't mean just, you know, just resting where you're at. And it doesn't mean you can't have stuff. I love stuff. I have a lot of stuff. I plan to buy more stuff, right? I, I, those of you that know me well, I, I really like my stuff. And so the key is, though, just make sure that your happiness isn't based on the number of stuffs you have. Right? It's like, it, it's okay to have stuff, but it's not okay for your stuff to have you, right? God has huge plans for you, and when it's time for you to grow, you need to be ready to grow. Don't get, but don't get so caught up on what's next that you miss that opportunity you have right now. Because so many times we get caught up on what's going to happen in the future that we, we miss out on kind of what's happening now. And as I talk to our teenagers um, every week, they're always talking about what's next. They're always talking about, man, I can't wait till I get my driver's license. Man, I can't wait till I... I graduate high school and get to go to college or start a job. Man, I can't wait till I get to get married. Can't wait till I, I get that, that good job where I make a lot of money. I can't wait till I get to have kids, right? I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And as we get older, it's, you know, I can't wait till my kids are out of diapers. At my house, it was, I can't wait till my kids can learn to bathe themselves, <laughs> right? I, I can't wait until my kids get to go to school. I can't wait till I get to teach my kids how to drive. I can't wait until my kids get to go to college. I can't wait till I have grandkids. I can't wait till I get to retire. We get so caught up on what's next, that next phase of life that we miss out on what's happening today in this phase of life right now. It reminds me of this country song I heard from Trace Adkins. And it just says, before she knows it, she's a brand new bride in her one-bedroom apartment, and her daddy stops by. He tells her it's a nice place, and she says it'll do for now. She starts talking about having babies and buying a house. Her daddy shakes his head and just says, baby, just slow down. You're going to miss this. When we look back, we realize that we missed that time, but we were so busy worried about what's going to happen next, that we missed it. And so joy is created when we're content with what we have and where we're at in life. And that's what this is all about, is not coveting and just learning to be content. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Those who love money 
will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So this is where being honest with yourself and finding contentment come together. Stop thinking that you can buy joy. You can't buy joy. Joy comes from an inner thing. And so I have another next step for you on your connection card, either on your app or on your paper, and it's, I will learn to be content with what I have. And what's interesting is I didn't really learn about contentment until I came to this church and started a relationship with Jesus about 16 years ago. I was chasing joy in material things, in experiences, in relationships. I looked around and saw what was making other people happy and said, if I do that, that will make me happy as well. And I was wrong. I was wrong. It wasn't until I came to this church and I got plugged in and started serving alongside other people that I started to realize that I was much happier giving than getting. And so if you're struggling with contentment and, and where you're at and what you're happy with, if you've been to this church more than a couple times a month, I encourage you to go to the growth track so you can start serving in this church because it will change your entire outlook on what contentment is all about. So get plugged in, start serving. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you may spend your whole life looking for contentment in material things and experiences in, in harmful relationships. You have to be so careful. God is seeking a relationship with you right now. In this whole time we've been talking about being honest, be honest with yourself. Am I seeking contentment with other things when the one thing I need, I'm denying this whole time? Because this is where I was 16 years ago. I was denying that God would give me that thing I was looking for. I was looking for it anywhere other than God. And it wasn't until I started that relationship with him that my life changed and I became joyful and content with what I had. So I challenge you today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you need to be honest with yourself that you are going the wrong path, that you're looking for contentment in the wrong things. And you need to give your life to him so that he can bring you happiness and contentment and joy that you have been seeking. I'm gonna go ahead and pray and the band's gonna come out. If you've decided it's time to be honest with yourself and make that decision, you can check the box on the connection card and we'll pray for you this week. Because I know there's people here and online that need to be honest with themselves and give their life to Christ because they're, what they're doing is not working anymore. If everybody will bow their heads with me. God, thank you so much for this amazing church. God, this church that has changed my family tree. God, I know there's people watching right now that have been trying it their, their own way, God. God, and it's not working. They're searching for contentment and experiences and material things and harmful relationships, God. And God, the one thing they need is that relationship with you. And God, I ask that they have the courage, God, right now to ask you into their life, God. God, ask you to forgive their sins, God, and be made new. 
for them to experience the joy that only you can bring them, God. God, as we move forward through this week, God, God, I ask that everybody that's heard these words today, God, looks for ways that they're avoiding the truth, God, so that they can protect their integrity. God, that they'll stop coveting and desiring what their neighbors have and start enjoying what they have, God. God, I'm so thankful for this opportunity and this great church family that you've given me. In your name we pray, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.